0: All right, we have Senator Brian Diley here today, joining us in studio. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's great to be here, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you first get involved in politics?
1: Well, first you should know that uh, my grandfather came to California during the Great Depression looking for a job. Uh, he was a World War I veteran. He went up north and he was able to put his name in, actually he put his name in a pickle jar and he drew, they drew his name out and he got an 80 acre homestead. Uh, 80 acre piece of land in Siskiyou County. So my family has been farming in California for 92 years. Uh, I graduated high school. I got uh, elected, uh, I'm a farmer, and I got elected to the Farm Service Agency Board was my first election uh, 26 years ago. Uh, Served uh, that out and then I ran for the Board of Supervisors in my county. I served 16 years on the Board of Supervisors. uh, Where I left my county, completely debt-free and our pensions funded. And people kept saying to me, Brian, you need to run for a higher office. We need people like you uh, in the legislature. So I actually ran in 2011 uh, for the 2012. So I became a legislator, uh, assemblyman. Uh, for six and a half years, I served in assembly. I was a Republican minority leader. And then my state senator uh, ran for the Board of Equalization and I took his place in this, in the state Senate. So I've been serving in the legislature for 10 years. So that's a little bit about how I got started. Uh, obviously just wanna make my community a better place and uh, for, for me and for my neighbors, that's really why I'm involved in politics. And I love California and uh, it needs a little correction. That's why I'm involved and I'm, that's why I'm running for governor. I, I know that uh, California needs uh, some balance. We've had 25 years of one party control in California and we've had we have an elitist governor who's not even in tune with his own party. And so that's why I'm running for governor. I'm not leaving California. Uh, I want people to stay here and I want them to give them the opportunity to stay uh, and it's time to fight back. Um, I, I, I just
0: think that it's, we need to start building that foundation, right? Of like focusing on the, on the very local. What, what are some of the things that you ran on when you were running for state Assembly and for Senate coming from like a farming community? Like what, what, what do you think gave you the edge over like the other people that were running?
1: Well, first off, you should know that uh, I actually do a payroll every two weeks. So I have a, I have a business, I have employees. And um, I ran on the fact that, you know, um, we talk about climate change and we talk about what's happening in California and, and with climate and my, I represent an area that's on fire today as we speak and has been on fire uh, for the last few years. I came into the legislature, um, very rural part of the state. Even though I represent a million people, I have 11 counties that I represent. So Oregon border, Lake Tahoe, people know about Lake Tahoe, it's a beautiful place, all the way down to Sacramento. Well, we had the, we had the uh, campfire in my district. And but before that, I was talking about fire because we have not managed our forest. So I came into the legislature wanting to educate. Look, I have been in politics for 26 years, and. You don't really get things done unless you build relationships. So I reached out to every legislator and asked them to come to my district. And I I told them I would pay their way to my district, and I'd also pay my way to your district if you would invite me to your district. Because really, California needs to solve some serious problems. We have, uh, like I said, we have fire issues. We have water issues. We have crime issues. We have education issues. But those need to be solved with people. Look, most legislators want to solve those problems. But how we're doing it right now, is not working and so I had 127 legislators to my district in the last 10 years most of them Democrats and I have built relationships with them to try to solve California's problems and specifically my district problems which is fire and so I was able to educate them on how we need to thin the forest which creates more water and then go back to Sacramento and run legislation unfortunately um, you know our, our two-party system is so polarized and you know there's the right extreme and the left and they get all the noise but there's a whole bunch of us that are in the middle that just want a a safe community want Mm -hmm. to send our kids to a good school want to provide food in my case I want to just feed people that's what I do as a farmer I want to feed people I want um, a future for my family to be able to buy a home and live the California dream. There's quite a few of us in that space, but unfortunately we get polarized by all these other issues out there. So my goal uh, as a legislator has been to educate, bring people together, and obviously bring a different experience because when i was in the assembly, out of 80 assembly members, there were three of us that did a payroll every two weeks. So I know what it's like to actually operate a business in California. Most of my legislator uh, colleagues are not in that situation. They're community organizers. They were maybe a staff person for another member. Um, so that's been my goal is to try to share with California that, you know, hey, going down this path is leading us to what? All those things I talked about earlier, the highest crime, and that's why people are leaving California. And I'm, I'm not leaving. My grandfather came here and was able to get a homestead, a land grant, uh, and I'm not leaving. 92 years and, and Generations of developing our land, and my and I know my neighbors that way. And I know most of Californians don't want to leave. They love California. They just can't afford to live here.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I can't tell you how many friends and family have all you know got up and left. A lot of them, you know, you know, f- special, especially financially reason financial reasons. They, you know, either lost their job due to mandates, so, or um, you know, it's just not affordable to live in California. And to me, you know. You should probably understand with coming with the farming community, we have like the fifth largest economy in the world, just in California alone. And a lot of it is because of the agricultural (laughs) aspect of it. And so to me, you know, even though I do consider myself very conservative and I tend to vote more Republican, I'm okay with allowing people a chance. And I I, with Newsom, I didn't vote for him. And I I told myself, well, despite everything, he's the governor. And I, I hope he does well by us but it's it's to me it's like this is the perfect opportunity you have a democratic governor you have a majority democratic in the state legislature this is your time to shine you you have all the power in the world to just do everything you want and all you're using that power force to drive people away. Instead of uniting people, it, it's just insane to me when I see that rising crime, oh, blame Republicans. But what Republicans? I mean, you guys control everything, like every chamber of, of office in California. And So to me, I wish I could say, oh, it's great to live in California, because look at how progressive we are and how united we are, and look at the policies. We actually, but then you start breaking it down, and it's like you, you're abolishing the middle class, you're driving away everyone else, You're, you're and, and all you're really doing is just creating the ultra-rich and then the very poor. And then you're subsidizing the very poor with the ultra-rich, and then you're driving those people away too. You have all these businesses that are leaving California, and to me, it's just it's self-sabotagement. And, and I think, you know, we talked about this earlier, people are so ready for change, so ready for change. And so I'm excited to see what the midterms bring because I know that Hispanics are in play now. You have the hispanic vote the people are waking up people are you know the latest polls have hispanics at like 50-50 like 50 of them are like okay let's maybe go democrat again and the other 50 is like i think we're going to go republican this time and so i think democrats are very scared but what um, what why did you decide or what is it that led you to become a republican is it just been like that hard work ethic has there ever been a time where i i, I think it's safe to say Democrats are not who they are anymore. And I actually listened to Sheriff Villanueva last night. He had a debate, and he said, you know, they asked him, you're still a Democrat. Do you regret being a Democrat, or do you wish you were a Republican? He's like, I just miss the old Democrats. You know, like, <laughs> I wish Democrats were the those of old. But what? how do you see, like, both parties right now, uh, at least in California? Because I know it's different here. Republicans and Democrats here are very different from Republicans and Democrats elsewhere.
1: Well, I think just my... Being a conservative is somebody who is just, a, I'm, a, I'm a business owner, I, I want to, uh, you know, I have to compete. I have to compete in my business. And so when you're uh, in business and you have to compete, you have to. You, you don't stay in business unless you're very competitive. Because there's somebody else that's providing the same products that I provide. And so being a Republican is somebody who is just, one, I want to get the most out of, of my business, and I want to get most out of people. And I want to get, and I want a reward for that. And The same thing I want for California is that, look, if you love California and you're here um, to build a business, I want to help you. I want to help you stay in California. I want you to thrive. I don't like taking uh, and redistributing wealth from this person to somebody else. I want this person that's at the at the bottom. I want them to be able to just like I, in 1984 when I graduated high school. I wasn't thinking about that. I would never own a home. I knew I would. This is California right i knew there the, the sky was the limit and i talked to my son as we go around campaigning he's with me and he's like you know dad i don't think i'll ever be able to afford a home in california i don't think my friends they're not they're not they don't even think they're going to own a home yeah. i want that person that that is that is came to california for the dream to be able to earn their way in that dream and not not have roadblocks put in their way and the government is mainly the part is putting that and big business is putting those, those roadblocks in the way. So um, it's not so much that I, the difference between a Republican and Democrat, I want people to be able to achieve whatever they want to achieve. And I want the government to get out of the way. So if, in my business, you know, weather dictates farmers. You, you get rain at the wrong time, you get frost at the wrong time, you, there's bugs, there's all kinds of things that happen to us. My biggest fear is not mother nature. My biggest fear is the government coming in and regulating me and I can't compete and that's that's unfortunate and so for folks in california that want a upward mobility i call it i want you to be able to know that you can start a family in california you can start a business and you're going to succeed in california and you know what there's no hope in california for that right now and the and what's really crazy anthony is that there's all kinds of money in government 101 billion dollars in surplus and and we have all these problems yeah you know Gavin Newsom is throwing money at the problem, but not getting any results. And in any other place, except for I guess California, you would have to get results if you spent that much money. Perfect example is, in the last three years, they've spent twenty billion dollars on homelessness, seventy-five thousand dollars per homeless person. And that's that's your money. Yeah. That's my money. That's the person that's poor. The person that's rich's money, and we got more homeless people. So. Those are the things that I'm going to focus on that, hey, we need to get results for what you're paying for, and we need to get the, the government out of your way so you can actually thrive. You need, to, you need to be able to go to get a good education. You need to be able to own a home. You need to drive, And how do we do that? We drive down the cost of the things you need every day. For example, electricity and gasoline, we pay higher than other states. So those are the things I want to focus on because I can actually give you, a, if you're working... If I can drop your electricity bill and your gasoline bill, that's a be- basically an increase in your pay because you don't have to spend that much more money for the things you have to have to live.
0: Can you kind of break down for us, so obviously we hear about homelessness, we hear about, oh, we, you know, we pay some of the highest gas prices and gas taxes in the nation. Why is that though? Why, what, like, I understand a lot of people say, like, well, because California is a dream place. You know? like, that's where everyone wants to live, so of course it's gonna cost more to live there. That doesn't make sense to me personally. It, it, to me, it should be equal playing field everywhere. Obviously, if we require more electricity because more people, I get that, but we shouldn't have rolling blackouts in the most progressive state in in the entire nation. So, what are can you kind of maybe point to some bills that you've seen passed? They're like this is this bill. This is what they sold it as, but this is why your electricity is higher now. I know the gas tax bill that's like a yearly thing, right? That the governor just kind of gave himself power over to just be able to increase tax whenever. So maybe just break it down for people.
1: So the biggest challenge for California is that the legislator, the legislature and the governor have picked these targets. They said, by giving t- give you an example. By 2035, we're gonna have no, le- you won't be able to buy a combustible engine car in California, all electric cars. By 2035, which is 13, 12, 12 years away. So that they set goals, but they don't tell us how we're gonna get there. So they've done that with clean energy goals. They've done that with, um, you know, and, and they're charging you. So by the way, your gas tax is actually a lot more than the 54 cents that we've been talking about. Right. There is a carbon tax that, that the, that the uh, refiners play, pay 22 cents a gallon, that the refinery pays, which goes into the cap-and-trade dollars. we call. Now, I'm getting in the weeds a little bit here. Right. But basically, that money is set aside. Then you get the gas tax. Then you have sales tax. So for every dollar, seven quarter percent sales tax. So it's 7 cents on every dollar that you pay per gallon. So if it's 5 gallons, it's 35 cents in sales tax you pay. So when you add all those tax up it's about 2 bucks. It's wow. $2 more than the guy in Nevada. And that money is supposed to help our environment. But unfortunately, why the power goes out is because they have focused solely on wind and solar. Well, when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, you have a problem. That's why you see the flex alerts from four to nine, because the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining. So we have to have these other sources of power. We have to turn those powers on. That's what's happened in the last. So there is no plan. That's the biggest challenge is that you can set a goal and you can say, hey, that's a great goal. So there was SB 350. There's a bunch of bills that have set goals. Right. And I vote against all those goals, all those goal bills, because there's no policy behind them of how we're actually going to achieve it. But I will guarantee you this. All those, they, Gavin Newsom sets a goal, and he takes a, I'm saving the planet. Your prices are going up because we don't have the power. We have to find that power somewhere else, and it's a very expensive. So that's, that's on the energy side. For example, on gasoline, we have 1,200 1, oil wells right here in California waiting to be permitted. We could drill oil, in California, but we do it more safe, more environmentally friendly, and we can create jobs for Californians. The average oil worker makes $70,000 a year. But we're importing our oil from Ecuador. 24% of California's oil comes from Ecuador on ships spewing out carbon, sitting in the uh, port right here in Los Angeles and San Diego, polluting the air, waiting to be unloaded, while we could be producing that oil right here. And we're destroying, the, we're destroying the rainforest at the same time, all telling us we're doing a better job for the climate. So for me, it's about, what's the truth? The truth of the matter is, we're gonna use oil in California, we're gonna use electricity. Why don't we produce it here, put Californians to work, and make sure that we keep Californians here. And when we do those uh, uh, goal setting type legislation, businesses move out of California because they can't afford to stay here. And when we move those businesses out, our jobs go with it. And typically they go to China or somewhere where they're polluting, they're building coal fired power plants every day to produce the things that the fifth largest economy in the world uses every day right here. So as governor, I will push every day to drop the price of energy drop the price, price of gasoline, and keep California manufacturing jobs here so we can produce it clean, green, and put Californians to work versus shipping it off to some other state or country where they don't have the same rules, which are polluting our air now globally.
0: Right. So would you? would you allow the banning of sales of gas cars in California, would you make it an option? Would you, like, undo that law, or is there anything we could do to...
1: Well, I would have the ability to appoint the Air Resources Board uh, as governor, which Gavin Newsom did, and they're they they they're the ones that chose. an unelected board, by the way, made that decision, and so I will do everything in my power to make sure that we have a pathway, not, not abrupt, 2035 that we have a pathway where we would need to, to, to put 30 million electric cars on the road in California. Think about every gas station you see needs to be a charging station.
0: Yeah.
1: Where are we going to get that energy? We would need 10 more nuclear power plants, the size of Diablo, which we just extended in California, 10. That's a lot more power to, to charge a, all those cars. Would you, be,
0: would you be opposed to nuclear power? Or would you rebuild some of them? Would you bring some? Well, products?
1: that's a that's going to be a tough battle to go down. I Look, it's it's a lot cleaner than fossil fuel power plants, obviously. Yeah. So I, I'm yeah. not I'm not against uh, nuclear, but we need a blend of everything. I want more biomass plants taking out the forest residue, so we can thin our forest and we don't have these mega fires. The biggest emitter of carbon in the world is forest fires. And we, do, we regulate our lawnmowers, weed eaters, and generators in California. Can't have a gas fire generator, but we don't do anything for the forest. In fact, I ran a bill to actually count the carbon from forest fires. Did you know that we don't count the carbon for forest fires? So we're not even putting all the information into the pot. If we actually put fire, the mission of these forest fires, you would, you would see that it's, it's bigger than the mission of, of gasoline engines in California.
0: I, I remember reading an article where it said that 95% of all fires are man-made, or basically they could be very preventable if it, w- if it wasn't for these outrageous laws. And, and that was something that kind of took me by shock was when I found out why we have these large forest fires and then talking and interviewing firefighters, like, yeah, because we have no one in there going, out, going in anymore with deforestation or controlled fires or whatever it was because the environmentalists, I guess they call them like the hippies or whatever, uh, would go in there and like, or the tree huggers, and they'd be like, no, stop cutting stuff down, leave the forest intact. But people don't understand, like, there's a lot of debris that goes in there. A lot of it man-made, people go out there, they just throw stuff out there that could be- Well, it's
1: actually growing. So the forest is growing, fire naturally thinned the forest. We came along, put all the fires out for a hundred years, all that grew up. Now we have these megafires. We need to go in and thin the forest because a, a forest that's alive actually sequesters carbon. A forest that's dead emits carbon. So we if we thin in the trees, open up the forest, the fire can burn through and the trees will still stay alive and it's beautiful. They still sequester carbon. That's what we need to have happen here in California. Well, how, how will you
0: convince all these environmentally friendly people that, hey, we need to, this is actually a good thing when we go in there and cut down these trees.
1: Well. That's what I did with those 127 legislators. I took them out there and I, I said, here's where we thinned, show them where we thinned. Here's where we didn't thin. The fire comes through. We have a live force, a dead force. Pretty simple when you see it real, in real time. And, I have, and then I was able to go back and actually run a piece of legislation that would allow me to go out and thin. So we're moving the ball in that area quite big. We're just so far behind the curve, uh, it's going to take a long time for us to um, be able to catch up.
0: All right. now going a little bit into some of the more policies that obviously californians are really worried about obviously inflation is a huge one um that, that you know that everyone it affects everyone even people that aren't political it's like what's going on here i'm like that's you not voting your policies man you know like voting for your morals and values this is what happens i always find it funny when people tell me i ask them like are you registered to vote or are you do you get involved in the in politics and they tell me like oh no i'm not political at all and i'm like let me ask you something are you happy with your gas prices and they're like oh no i hate them and i'm like that's politically related that's politically being driven by the people up in sacramento and i'll ask them what do you think about inflation I'm like oh man it sucks i my, my gallon of ga- uh of milk is now like a dollar more than it was a year a year ago uh the, my egg 60 egg count is a lot you know everything sucks now man i'm like do you realize that all of this is affected by policies? Like all of this is being affected because you're not voting, you know. So it, it it's it's a it kind of grinds my gears when people tell me like, oh, I'm not political, but then they complain about everything that policies are kind of changing, you know. But um, you know, with we'll start with inflation. We'll start with it with the economy. Obviously, we have the shutdowns impacted small businesses. We're still seeing the repercussions of that. A lot of businesses had to close down. A lot of them in California. I know a lot of people that shut down, they had to shut down for good because Gavin Newsom said, you're not allowed to come back, only, only the French Laundry is allowed to stay open with me and my buddies, right? Um, and, and, and so now they've had to move elsewhere. What is your plan for California's economy? How can we get these small businesses, these middle class folks to kind of stay on board?
1: Well, number one is Governor I will end the state of emergency, which we're still in. That's number one. And number two, I want to just touch on your point. There's 120 legislators and the governor. So there's 121 people that dictate everything from the kind of car you're going to drive to the air you're going to breathe to the school your kids are going to go to. Just your point. Yeah. It's very important to know who those 121 people are and what they're doing. And so I just urge the people that are listening, you know, make sure you know, because if you really don't know, there's a lot happening that impacts your life everything that you eat, breathe, food you get, all that. Now let's talk about inflation for a minute because that's really what you're talking about. I have a trucking business. So in the last eight months, diesel is a diesel truck. Its cost per day has went up $200 per day for just diesel. So that's $1,000 a week. That's $4,000 a month that I have to up the price to move all goods. All goods are moved in California with trucks or trains, and they're all powered by diesel. So that's why you see eggs up 33% because when I move my commodity, everything gets moved through diesel and that cost goes up. That's just one example of inflation. So if you really wanna drive down inflation, instead of giving out a $300 check, which Gavin Newsom's going to do here in a month or so, right before the election, he's gonna give you $300 of your tax money back to you. Why don't you drive down the cost of gasoline and diesel in California? Because that's about $1,600. If, if we had just dropped the 54 cents per gallon, and we, we asked to do it, the Republicans asked to do it a year ago, it would have been $1,600 to every single person in California. Just by driving down that cost of the eggs, the cost of a two-by-four, the cost of everything that you need would have been driven down. But Gavin Newsom chose, and the legislatures, Democrat legislators, chose to instead give you $300, instead of $1,600 back, they gave you 300 and they're going to try to get your vote. So those 121 people are manipulating what you think if you're not really engaged in what's happening. That's why it's important to know what's really happening, because it affects your everyday life. And that's what I asked the voters to do. You know, hey, look at, look at me, look at Gavin Newsom. And there's a, there's a huge difference. I want to actually drive down the cost of electricity, di- gasoline, diesel. Those things will actually impact you a heck of a lot more over time than giving you a one-time of your own money back. It was your money in the first place. Think about that. $100 billion in surplus. That's $100,000 dollars a whole lot of money.
0: Yeah. So what would be some of the policies that you could immediately pass say day one or day 30 day 60 that would help lower the cost Would or or would that be something that you would have to wait for those 120 people to because you still have a hurdle in front of you you know what come november say you win and and okay now here we are a brand new governor you still have a state legislature that's Overwhelming Democrat and overwhelmingly vote for higher taxes. just like you said, instead of giving you back your 1600, they rob you of 1600, give you back 300 and, and say, and say, say thank you, you know, and, and they make you beg please for it, you know, and, and, and a lot of people don't understand that, that, it, that they could be doing this. So what could you effectively do to help out with inflation? Is there like an executive order that you can sign or how would you work? with those democrats to say hey we need to bring great
1: great question very first day there those 1200 oil wells i talked about are waiting at the desk of gavin Newsom. i will push to get those permitted and we start producing oil in california that'll help drive the price of gas and diesel down that's number one number two we have more electricity in some areas in california we just simply can't get it to others so we overproduce in some areas we need to build transmission lines i would do an executive order to make sure we uh put those lines in, start putting those lines in so we can move power around, which will drive down your electricity rate. So those are two things that directly impact everything. The production of food, the production of of, uh, your products that you you need, wood, things to build with, drives down that cost. So those are two things. The other thing that we need to talk about is crime. I mean, when we talk about getting criminals off our streets, we need safe neighborhoods. So I would... uh, remove the parole board that Gavin Newsom has in place right now who are letting criminals out early before their their time is up and they are actually uh, killing people on our streets. If you recall, there was a shootout in Sacramento. Uh, Six people died. That was Smiley Martin. That was the guy that uh, was let out early by Gavin Newsom's parole board. So I will change that parole board and make sure people serve their time and help get our streets safe at the same time driving down the cost of living.
0: I know some cities, just going back a little bit on the electricity, I know some cities, like, for example, the city where I'm at, where the city offers um, some kind of deal where they give you free solar panels. Nothing's free. But they rent a, the, the city rents it out to you, basically. And it's like uh, they look at your electricity, they go month by month, they look at your higher months, and then they average it out by price and then a, amount of watts used, would you be opposed to kind of offering incentives for like solar panels to help out? Or do you even believe in solar panels? Do you think that's a way forward? I know you said you wanted to, um, with energy you wanted to diversify a bit, you know, oil production, uh, maybe a little bit of renewable.
1: So uh, I'm not opposed to wind and solar at all. I think they're great, um, except for what the problem is, is we have enough solar. We, we have enough energy when the sun is shining. We don't have energy when the sun's not shining so we need an alternative source to gap and one of the great things we have available in california in imperial and up north is geothermal so there's hot water in the ground we can tap into that water it creates electricity we just pump it out simply put it right back in it's green it doesn't it's not natural gas it's not coal fired so i would i think we should focus on some of those that we can use in that time when the sun's not shining the wind's not blowing so those are those are opportunities where we need to. We also need biomass uh, plants. Those are those are the, where they take the wood chips out uh, and they make electricity out of the out of the wood chips, which helps thin our forests, which helps uh, our watersheds, which we need more water for. And so those are all opportunities that we should be tapping into California. But simply, really quickly, like I've mentioned earlier just moving electricity around we have we overproduce in some areas and we can't get it to other areas so that's that's goal number one goal number two is is flattening out finding that time where we don't produce and fill that gap
0: yeah I've heard some neighbors talk about how in some cities I'm not sure if they offer it in my city or not but it's like you said they overproduce electricity so like the city ends up buying it back from them because they have overproduced such via solar panels and so i'm just thinking to myself i'm like wait how do we it's kind of like you said some cities overproduce it and some are not producing enough of it and so i to me it's just kind of interesting with with the whole solar panels we got it for our home i don't know how much of an impact i mean i'll be very honest i drive a prius i try to use like reusable bags because i one thing i think that has been hijacked by the left and democrats is that conservatives don't care about uh, the environment i think that is probably one of the biggest lies it's just we use realistic ideas like you said controlled fires or deforestation people think like oh my gosh this guy wants to run for governor and burn down our forest <laughs> like no 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 no. it's you're not listening like the experts are literally saying this is what we must do in order to prevent mass fires people's homes from burning down stuff like that and so to me it's just i, I try to do my part i'm not like the super most environmentally friendly person I'll, I'll admit and I do think we need to diversify though. I'm not 100% sold on like only solar panels or only gas power or electric powered vehicles. Because one of the things I kind of fear and this is just like one of my conspiracies is like if we have electric vehicles, the government is just going to be able to shut it down. If you're not, you know, like it's like, hey, you, you, you went over your carbon emission this month. Your Tesla is now powering down, you know? And so um, but with that, So the high-speed rail that Gavin Newsom... I thought this was going to be like his baby, right? And I I was really excited for it, like this high-speed rail. Like, okay, cool, a train that takes you from point A to point B and point C and point A really, really fast. That ended up being a pretty epic failure on on his part. And I think that... Would that be something that you would end? Would you end that project? Is that something you would probably revamp it, maybe just fiscally conservative way?
1: So I am been very vocal about the, the train, even from the start. I, first of all, it's, it's a, it doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's just in the valley. Yeah. And um, it, the estimate was 30, $30 million, I think. And it's estimate to cost one hundred and five billion. million. I don't believe it'll ever be finished. They've not laid one foot, one single piece of track yet to date. And it's it's not going to happen. And, my, it, and I don't believe it. I think it's a waste of money. I don't think it'll ever reduce carbon in California. I think there's a lot better places that we could spend that money. I think we need to build, well, I know we need, we need to build water storage. That money could be put towards water storage. More water storage would be great for not only cities, uh, but for the environment. Fish need more water at the right times, and agriculture needs new water. There's a project up north called Sites Reservoir, 1.2 million acre feet. We should build that. We actually funded, put money in Prop 1, which was a A water bond in 2014 but nothing's happened so i will be pushing to build water storage i will push be pushing against the train anything i can do to like find a different place to spend 4.2 billion dollars is what they spent last year on the train and i've been there i've been talking about the train i'm on the committee for uh, natural resources and i ask so in in the time i've been in the legislature 10 years there's been three different directors so every time they fail they just replaced the director, and then when we asked the question to the next director, he says, "Well, that was those guys. It was the other guy's failure." And then three years passes, and they fire that guy, and they put a new one in. So we went through three in the ten years I've been there. It's a failure. Okay. Let's just—I'm a farmer. Sometimes you get a bad crop. Doesn't matter how much you water it. Doesn't matter how much you—it's not going to—it's not going to yield. You plow it down and you start over, right? Well, that's what needs to happen with the train. It's time to start over. It's never going to produce what we said. What they said it was going to produce, and it's a cost to Californians. Part of that twenty cents a gallon, I was talking about that cap at carb money. That's where that goes is into the train, and that's a waste of money. So would
0: you start it over then? Like, would you just have like another? I feel like the when I, you know when I was in the military back when I was in the East Coast, the railroad station. I, I felt like the transit was a lot better than California. Granted, I've never really had to rely on like taking the Metro or like anything like that out here. So I don't know to what capacity. I've just heard people say like I, the, the, the Metro was a lot better. The subway was a lot better out east. Would you want to create something like the, like you said, start over. So would you want to start it over or is a plan to just completely go away from that?
1: Just. Well, the, the high-speed rail is just a is not going to fit. that section of it's not going to work. If you want to get people to use public transportation, which they don't, by the way, as much even even here, yeah. even in Southern California, you want to know why they don't use it. Correct. Because it's not safe. It's not because they they don't want to use it. They don't want to get on there and they don't want to get mugged. They don't want to get assaulted. That's why most people don't use the mass transit. And if you actually talk to them. Now, everybody talks about, oh, we need to do all these things for the environment when you put people on there, but we the people don't feel safe. So until we make it safe and clean where people can take their family on the train, you're not going to see that, or, or whatever mass transit it is, that's number one. That's what needs to happen in that area. And until we do that, people will not use it, no matter how, how much of you build, because it's not safe. And that's a, that's the same thing with our streets. Californians don't feel safe with our streets, because homeless people... And those are the, those are the reasons that people don't move around.
0: The last one I have on economy is there was because of the mandates and lockdowns, there was thousands of people that were fired. A lot of healthcare workers were fired, which to me made absolutely no sense. And what's even more surprising, and also doesn't make sense, but I'm not shocked, is a lot of these now fired healthcare professionals are being rehired as traveling like nurses or healthcare workers because they're not required to get the jab or abide by mandates. So I talk to a lot of these people and I'm like, hey, what's going on? They're like, well, I'm working part time now as a traveling nurse because I don't the mandates don't apply to me now because I'm a traveling healthcare provider. But what what would be something that maybe a lot of these people are, are waiting for change and, and they're they're probably putting a lot of hope on you to create that change. And what, you know, we, you talked about ending the state of emergency. Is there anything else that we can do for all these fired folks? I mean, I'm just trying to think out. Loud well, here.
1: I, I would, I would okay. say that um, my policy is, you know, what you do uh, between you and your doctor, as far as, uh, you know, whether you're gonna, you know, get vaccinated or not. I mean, I, I got COVID, so I didn't get vaccinated. Right. And so um, that was my choice, um, so I, and I consulted with my doctor. So I want everybody to have that same opportunity, um, and then we, we should move on from there. We should have never allow the government to um, get in the way of, of what you and your doctor think is the right thing to do. And so the other thing was that they used Cal-OSHA as their, which is the safety part of our uh, laws here, and they should have never been involved in that as far as it should have been up to each individual hospital or it should have been up to each individual business to figure out what their risk level was. And look, I want to keep people safe. At the end of the day, absolutely. Uh, when we started out, I I voted to go into the state emergency because they told me 30 million people were going to die in, in America. And I was like, wow, that's that's really scary. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen. So as we get, kept going on, and as we know that you know the laws were only made for some people. Mm. You know Gavin Newsom went to the French we He got together with his friends. He went to SoFi Stadium. He didn't wear a mask, but everybody else was supposed to wear a mask. So, for me, it's like everything should be a level playing field, and we need to give freedom to people and make their choices for what they think is best for their family.
0: Shifting a little bit, um, we got homelessness, which is obviously a pretty rampant problem, and a growing problem. You were just talking about how a lot of money has been going into Uh, fighting homelessness, but it seems like these NGOs that are being siphoned money, um, I'm not saying the words money laundering scheme, but maybe something along those lines where there seems to be some corruption on on solving this. I was actually just reading, uh, uh, I believe it was the LA Times reported that the county homeless in Los Angeles alone grew by over 4%. So what are some of the policies that you can set forward one of the things I hear about is, oh, this is Ronald Reagan's fault because he shut down these mental institutions and, and stuff like that. So a lot, I, every single time it happens, like, well, if you guys wouldn't have shut these down, the Republicans, we wouldn't have this problem. But also, I was reading that a lot of these homeless people are not from California. I've even heard some rumors, I don't know if this is true, that other states pay one-way tickets for these homeless people. Like, hey, we're just going to send you out to California. They got lots of freebies out there. So what are some of the policies you can work on to not give handouts, but like hand-ups, I guess, to to the homeless population? How do we solve this once and for all?
1: Well, first, you should know that, um, you know, homelessness, there's basically three issues. There's addiction issues, so drug and alcohol uh, issues. Then there's mental health, and then there's a housing shortage. Those are really the top three things that put people in this position. So let's talk about addiction, something I know a lot about. My father was a complete alcoholic until I was in seventh grade. And he, my mom separated from him, and he had a choice to make. He, he was either going to save his family and, and save himself from dying from alcoholism. And he made the right—he went to My mom got him into a treatment center, and he was sober for 30 years until the day he passed away. It changed my life. It changed my family's life. So 90—probably 95% of the people on, on, that are homeless— or have addiction issues so the number one thing we can do is we need to get them clean and sober so they can actually turn that corner and get themselves some help so that's number one that we need to do so how do we do that we stop illegal drugs from coming into California and we put them in a position where they can get treatment and but they must be clean before they can go in the housing California does not say if you're gonna go into like a lot of the nonprofit faith-based shelters you cannot go into unless you're clean they actually get people clean and get them moving in the right direction. But California doesn't mandate that you have to be clean and sober when you go into uh, one of their facilities. So what does that cause? It, it causes a, a bad environment there where you're not safe again. So if you have a mom who's even with children, they're not gonna go to that shelter because it's, it, there's, and then also uh, methamphetamines and, and uh, cause mental health situations. So that's making our mental health even worse. So we need clinicians. We need to get drugs off our streets, and we need to get people clean, moving in the right direction. The third part of that is housing. You know, California has a, is in a housing shortage. Gavin Newsom said he was going to build 3.5 million homes. We've built less than, than 500,000 homes since he's been in office. We have to drive down the cost of housing. And how do we do that? We do that for sports arenas. We do legislation that allows us to streamline the regulatory process to build sports regions for those special interest people that know how to get things through the legislature. We need to do the same thing for housing. We need, to dry, we need to streamline the process so we can build houses for Californians and drive that cost down. Those are three things that will help the homeless population out immediately. And we need to partner, the last thing I want to say, we need to partner with faith-based communities because they actually do uh, help people get out and move forward that's why we've seen how uh, homelessness increases because the money has just been spent on like i think was it was it los angeles that was eight hundred thousand dollars for a 200 square foot apartment that was built with the with the money of the taxpayers i mean that's just crazy you talk about fraud something's wrong we should be able to build a 200 square foot home for more than eight for less than eight hundred thousand.
0: and a lot of those units just went up in flames i don't know if you saw that report there was they built like these tiny homes yeah for... I, I visited
1: them i went and looked at them while they were being yeah. built
0: and, and I think like 17 of them went up in flames and I think it's because they're still bringing like flammable things inside I, I don't know if the 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 transient was trying to smoke up or, or or do drugs or what it was but like he they just ended up going up in flames and I was like man it, it's my my issue is is there's even like an activist front to to homelessness where you have these people that go to LA City board who are trying to, Trying to pass laws to, to deal with the homelessness because obviously crime is up. You know, they're, they're shooting up drugs out in the street for families that are walking by. Um, there's even like people that are, you know, handicapped that like, hey, I can't even cross the street because there's encampments out there. And, and but you have like these activists. I, I to me, it's just really weird that their act, their, their activism is just let them be let them do whatever they want. They're human beings, the government shouldn't be able to tell them. So the problem is, I find that the solutions can be there, but how do you find, or, or how will you, without forcing the person, move them out from where they are? Would you promote basically ending tents out in the city? Would you would you illegalize being able to basically be homeless out in the street? Maybe certain sections but at least streets that people usually walk
1: through. so number one we you know in society we have uh, opportunities first of all we need to, we need to it, it, those those streets are owned by everybody so if you can't walk down the street because they're camping on the street or that's their home on the street we need to make sure that everybody has the same availability to the public property number one I what I pr- propose is that we find a spot a, a, a lot somewhere where we can put them and say hey this is where you can actually camp if you want to camp. And then we make sure that it's an area where there's no illicit drugs and those things. So now you have you have a spot. This is where you can go. You can't be over here but you can be over here. So for example, they're right across from my daughter's school. I take my daughter to school. They're half the time they're they're exposing themselves or they're yeah. or they're defecating on the street right when I'm trying to drop my daughter off to school. They may be laying halfway out in the road some mornings. That's not acceptable. But maybe we find a place and we say, hey, here's your spot. This is where you can be for right now. And we then, you know, put a fence around it and we and we make sure it's clean. There's a place to put the – because we, we're getting – talk about pollution. We're getting trash all over our streets. Yeah, We're – put a place where they can get a shower in there. And then let's start rehabilitating these people. Let's give them a spot and let's start – Getting them in one area where we can say, okay, this is it. this is how we're going to, and we need to keep the drugs out. That's my point, is that if you can start getting them clean and moving in, and say, no, you can't, you can't camp camp here, can't. This isn't your, this isn't across the street from my daughter's school. Is not where you can be, but here's where you can be. And if you're going to be here, we're going to make sure that you have a restroom, you have a place to get clean, and then you can come in and actually give them services. D- designate an area that says this is your area. And then let's fund, let's take that seventy-five thousand dollars per homeless person that. Gavin Newsom spent in the last three years, let's take that and give them a spot. Let's give him a shower. let's give him a place. And then we can start rehabilitating these people and moving them from that position out to where they can be productive and have a good life.
0: So I know one of the biggest problems, like you said, it, and I, I also believe it because I see is a lot of these people have an addiction problem. So would you pass legislation or an executive order that makes a harsher sentence for drug dealers? I know that There have been people saying, like, we need to basically, I don't even know if I want to say it, but they they want harsh sentences for drug dealers, very harsh ones. Um, I think death penalty was the the word for it. Um, But I I, I just feel like in California, there's just no repercussion. I, I, I literally know journalist friends who we went to go visit San Francisco, and they just asked one homeless person, how can I acquire illegal drugs. And they asked him, are you a cop? Or are you law enforcement? And he's like, no. Okay, then come with me. And they took him within within seconds. And this was like a very public area. Within seconds, he had access to fentanyl.
1: So fentanyl has killed more people than COVID. So I'm not in any way, shape or form interested in giving anybody a death sentence for selling drugs. I think that's very extreme. But I do believe that we should incarcerate people who are trafficking drugs into our state. And if we catch them with a certain amount, we need to definitely incarcerate them for sure. And we need to make their penalties. And you know, we saw Proposition 47 and 57, which allowed a lot of things to happen in California. The Safe Neighborhood and Schools Act, which was Prop 57, allows you to rape an unconscious woman in California and it's not a violent crime. That just is sick. That is, I can't think, I have a 13 year old daughter. I'm married. I can't think of anything more violent than taking the innocence of somebody, uh, an advantage of somebody. So that's the stuff that Gavin Newsom is for. He supported those things. I'm opposed to those. I want to make sure that drugs are off our streets and that's why i said we need i I want to focus on that because that's the biggest killer it's killing californians it's getting people addicted and we have and it's it's basically cartel funded so when proposition 47 passed they said oh this is people who had marijuana no it's not this these look i don't want somebody in jail for having some marijuana i think that's crazy but i also know that there's hard drugs coming in drugs that i mean kill innocent people They're they look just like uh, some other type of a, of a prescription and when they're taken I just met a lady uh, two days ago whose son thought it was something else and took it and it killed him and it was laced with fentanyl and I mean it was crazy so we need to definitely focus in on fentanyl and I, it's amazing more people die from fentanyl than guns we should be talking about it but if, if there's a shooting they, they, people want to do all kinds of things with, you know, firearms. Why don't we do something about fentanyl? And I'm, I'm, I will commit this to you. I will work every day to figure out a way to stop fentanyl. I want to put those people back in I want to put those people in jail or prison and make them serve a prime. There's got to be punishment for this because if there's no punishment, it will continue on and we're going to see our youth, we're going to see people addicted, and we're going to see lives destroyed.
0: Now, my question is, you brought up a really good point that fentanyl is the number one killer right now. Of, 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 of
1: basically more than and, COVID,
0: yeah more, more than COVID. so and, and you said something that just struck me that said more people are being killed by fentanyl than even gun violence for example um, so if someone goes out and shoots someone that person there's probably a chance of life in prison depending on the circumstances so fentanyl is a number one killer would you also be in favor of such a harsh sentence of like life in prison, or, I mean, fentanyl is killing more people yeah, than but, anything else. So,
1: so. But people are choosing to take that drug. I mean, this, that you're getting in the. They're choosing to take that drug, even though it's, it's killing them. So, I mean. I want to make sure that you understand that. I mean. I don't want anybody to die, mm-hmm. and we we need to we need to put. Um, more punishment in. People who are bringing illegal drugs into our, into our state. Yeah. And, and I will do what I can, as much as I can, to stop that. We need to educate, too. We need to do a lot more education about fentanyl, we're not talking about it enough. We need to educate in our schools. We need to let people know that it's very dangerous. I mean, I, I was part of a piece of legislation that allows um, peace officers and firefighters and people who show up to help somebody that's, that's been owed, overdosed, so they've lost their lives because even touching your skin, fentanyl can go
0: yep. in your
1: skin. So we have what they call, I think it's Narcan that they use to you know, reverse that. And so we passed a law that actually helped them carry that with them so they could revive somebody that was OD.
0: Second Amendment, a lot of people, especially with all the violence we've seen through the years here in California, rising crime, the riots were absolutely insane. I remember we, my wife and I went out to like the gun store and we're like, maybe we should like look into more firearms. And the, the guy just like looked at me and laughed at me. He's like, dude, with all the riots going on, good luck finding like a piece somewhere, you know, but, um, what, what, what is, you know, Gavin Newsom is probably the leader in, in talking about gun violence and how we need to reform our stuff. What is your take on the second amendment? Would you make it easier for law abiding, Californians, people that don't have any infractions, no record or anything, would it to possibly conceal carry or constitutional carry? Can California be a constitutional carry state?
1: <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way: I think that that first of all, I'm I'm pro Second Amendment, obviously. Um, been in, been in endorsed by peace officers throughout the years, um, and uh, you, you have to have in a society you have to have. You have to feel safe. That's the number one thing that government should do is keep people safe. Um, but what I what I re- I like to focus on when you talk about you know firearms in California is that we know there are people who have, it's called the uh, armed persons. It's called APPS that the acronym. Basically, we know that there are felons who have firearms who are not supposed to have firearms in California, and we know they have them. Right. We need to go get the guns out of felons' hands. Number one law abiding citizens are already meeting the law california sheriffs are the and are the ones that or get to give you your your uh concealed carry obviously the supreme court just made a decision on you know what what that looks like and so i'm for people having that second amendment right i'm for getting firearms out of criminals hands and off our streets that people who are abusing those we will never keep uh, firearms from criminals, but we can do a lot better job of getting them up. Most of the legislation that we've seen in the last, and I'll give you an example, there was a bill, I can't remember the number, but it came up this year, where they wanted, for ghost guns, they wanted to make it uh, another layer of, you know, but basically it wasn't a felony. It was a misdemeanor if you built a ghost gun. So we, as Republicans, put an amendment in that says if you build a ghost gun and you get caught, it's a felony. You're going to, go to, you're going to go to jail for having this ghost gun. And the Democrats' party line voted against it. Oh, well. Wow. So, so they were for so, the
0: misdemeanor, just not for the felony. Felony,
1: yeah. So they're basically what they're telling you is they don't – it's all, it's all politics. It doesn't really have any teeth in it. And we, we put some teeth in it. Look, if you want to get illegal people that are making these ghost guns, you want to stop them, make a felony. So right. now they get caught with the ghost gun, and it's a felony. Oh, they, they killed that. So a lot of it is theater. At the end of the day i want to make sure that californians are safe i want them to have their right to protect themselves and i also want to make sure that if they we have people who shouldn't have firearms we need to get them out of their hands that would be my focus and as as governor
0: if you had the power with the legislature would you make california a constitutional carry state
1: well i can tell you i'll work i'll work to make california as much as a second amendment as we can along with those lines but I, have a tough, I will have a tough legislature to get that through. So <laughs> yeah. that's really, at the end of the day, you know, we talk about all these things, but it's not my number one focus are those things. My number one focus is to make sure that Californians can afford to live here. Right. Cost of living, I want, I, want, I want crime to go down. I wanna make sure that we put bad people back in prison. I, want to, I will work on things like raping an unconscious, unconscious woman will be a felony. That's, that's not a violent crime, according to Prop 47 and Gavin Newsom. I wanna make sure that there's a good school for your kids to go through, I want, I want school choice. 50,000 students did not show up to LA Unified School District this year. 27,000 left last year, and 50,000 didn't show up the first day of school. Something's going on, parents know it, we're not giving our kids an education. I will not be beholden to the California Teachers Association like Gavin Newsom is. Those are the things I wanna focus on in California.
0: Understandable. Um, Water drop for farmers. I know that's a big one. I, I there's a, a lot of Hispanics that I talked to that work in the agricultural world, uh, obviously here in California. Um, they know the reality of what's happening. It's not like necessarily a climate crisis. They're being taxed on water. They're being told you have to use less water. What you know, and just in general in the state, I know that there's times where like, hey, please don't water your lawn today or whatever. Um, what can what can U.S. Governor, what are some of the policies that you're looking for? Can we desalinate ocean water? I, I've heard that one before. Um, I know collecting rainwater. I believe is illegal in California. A lot of people are not happy about that. They're like, why can't we just collect rainwater? Uh, what are some of the policies that we can we can take care of? Uh,
1: that's a great question and something I uh, know a lot about uh, as a farmer, but also just the policy. So the, I want to just give you some statistics that might blow your mind, actually. The wettest year recorded in California's history since we've been keeping track of how much precipitation was 2018, four years ago. Remember the Oroville Dam spillway broke? Do you remember that? was yeah. national news. We had all this water. Our reservoirs were at 105% full, so they were over full, actually. Now, here we are four years later, and we're in a yeah, obviously it hasn't rained, but where did all that water go that we had stored up? California's infrastructure was made to be able to sustain because California's history shows we have droughts and we have floods. So we built actually most of the reservoirs to stop the flooding, but we use that water for our communities and our, and our cities and our farms. So we really have a regulatory drought. Most of that water has been let out and goes to the ocean. Five to six... Why? exactly, Exactly. Why? Now, Gavin Newsom and the federal government together have there's there's the state projects and there's the federal projects have left that water out. And now we're in a and now we're paying the price for that right now because we don't have that water. So as governor, I will make sure that we manage our water that we have in the years where we have a lot of water and we need to catch more water. We have not built water storage in California for the last 35 years. I wanna build reservoirs, capture water, which helps the system. We are, what we continue to do is conserve and take out lawns and, and those, are the, those are the issues that we talk about. But at the end of the day, we need to produce more water. Don't let it go to the ocean. Once it hits the salt water, we can't use it. We, there are opportunities for desalination and along coastal communities where we don't have the access to be able to move water, but we need more water. And there is more water. We just have to capture it at the right time hold on to it for the years when we have droughts and we could make California uh, water independent.
0: So you're saying we don't even have to go as far as looking at alternatives for water sources. We don't need to desalinate anything because just- I'm
1: I'm saying there's, there's areas of California where we don't have the infrastructure to get the water to those communities that are on the coast. We may have to do some desalinization. But for the most part of California, we have a, the, one of the greatest water systems in the world. In fact, people are, I mean, there's a book called Cadillac Desert that basically talks about how California built aqueducts and how we've done all these things. But we don't, we need to continue to do that. We need to capture that water that's going to the ocean when we have plenty of it, and then hold it for the times when we don't have water. And that, that will help California be able to thrive again for our, for our farms, and for our communities and be able to grow as well.
0: Do you do you know why Newsom allows the water to just spill into the ocean? Like, I, I understand that the solution is capturing more water and holding it and, and building facilities. And I would think that it would be common sense to someone like Gavin Newsom or someone must be advising them, hey, this is what we want to do. Do you know, like, the pretense? Like, for example, whenever they raise taxes or keep the taxes on gas, they'll just say, like, well, it's because it's for the roads. We need to build better roads. But what's... What's the logic behind letting all this water just spill right back out?
1: Well, I don't understand why we have to be in a constant state of crisis. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this. Gavin Newsom was the, was the uh, lieutenant governor, and he supported shutting down Diablo Canyon. He was the, the lieutenant governor is part of the state's lands commission, and he, he actually is on record to shut down Diablo Canyon, which is the last nuclear power plant in California. Three weeks ago, he's wanting to turn it back on. All right, great. I, I want more power too. But he's created a lot of these crises. The water crisis is created by the legislature and him. The, the lack of power that we focused all on solar and wind and not the gap, that's created. All these crises are created, and at the same time, they come back to you and say, hey, we need to, we need to after the crisis is going, now, we need to, now we're in a crisis mode. And then we tax you more. And that's their solution: is more money, more taxes, and less results. So I just ask this question: If Calif- this is a fact, California has been governed by one party in the legislature. 25 years, the, lege- the Democrats have had control of the state assembly and the senate. For the last 10 years, the governor has been also, also. It's all ran by Democrats. Yeah. So the question is: Can you take four more years of these of Gavin Newsom? That's the question to your listeners. What is four more years going to give you? Their track record. If you love what you're getting in California, crime, bad schools, fire, no water. I mean, I ask this question. Tell me one thing Gavin Newsom's fixed in the four years that he's been in office. One thing. Can you name one? One. He's united a lot more people against him. (laughs) I think that's like the
0: only positive. I mean, I I can tell you for a fact, I have family and friends that voted for Gavin Newsom in 2018, and they voted for his... They not only signed the petition, but they're like, we need this guy out. I mean, people's rents are going up. The cost of living is going up. And I know, you know, people would argue, well, this is the way it is everywhere because there's a war in Russia somewhere, and somehow that affects my water, you know? There's a lot of things that don't make sense, but I, I can tell you there. So many people are ready for change, and I think that that's what Gavin Newsom has been able to accomplish. But with that, I, I know one of the other things that affect people and they're really concerned about is education. California ranks in some of the lowest across the board: English, math, you know, the STEM field, all that stuff, and it's it just seems to be going backward, not forward what are some of the things that we can, and one of the things is, I, I just listened to the National Educators Association, I, th- I think it's called the NEA, uh, where it's basically like a, it, it's like the convention for all educators from every state. They have like delegates there, they get to vote on things. And the president herself was talking about not, not how we can make education better, but how we can create like basically an activism field to inspire kids to be more about like gender pronouns and more inclusive, and this is not. And I can tell you something: Hispanics are not on board with this progressive agenda that's happening in 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 the school system. And I think you know maybe to answer your question earlier is what's going on with these ch- kids not being enrolled. I mean, I again I have personal friends and family all Hispanic, and they're like, I don't agree with this. I don't agree that my my three, four, five year old is heading to school. And instead of learning science and ABCs, they're learning about gender pronouns and they're getting confused at school and all this stuff. What, what can we do to redirect education, to educate and not, be, not indoctrinate basically?
1: Well, I will work every day. I mean, we know for a fact that it's like 70% of eighth graders can't read in California. All right, so how can you possibly get out of poverty the, the, it's the wealthy take care of their kids, and the poor get stuck with whatever system we have. And they're doctor, and, and like you said, they're they're talking about critical race theory. They're talking about gender pronouns when they should be talking about how we can get these kids to read, write,
0: yeah.
1: math. I, I said this in a in an interview. Parents just want their kids to learn the ABCs C's and the one two threes, and not the birds and the bees. Yeah. Right. And that's what I want. I want to make sure. California Teachers Association owns Gavin Newsom. They are his biggest one of his biggest supporters. They're not my they're not supporting me at all. And so I'm going to do everything I can to give parents the luxury of choice to be able to direct the resources that we spend $21,000 per student. If I give you $21,000, I guarantee you'll find an education oh, yeah. for your child, Quick. right? And it will be Learning them so they can have upward mobility, where they don't—they're not stuck in the same place. Because we know that somebody who can read and write and do math are not going to be in prison. They're not going to be. Most likely, they're going to—they're going to do well in life because they can. And teach them critical thinking, right? Not, not, all these other things. And so, it, the one great thing I think that this election is going to bring home, Anthony, is that parents are fired up yeah and that we I was in Temecula last week with people who had never been elected never got involved and they're out running for school boards because they want a better future for their children and they're tired of what's being pushed on them so I think we're gonna see a grassroots these folks that have taken their kids out of school they're 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 ready to do something different, and they're going to vote for change in California, and that's what we need. We need balance. We can't just have one side always telling us what what they think is best. Right. And I think they I think there's a lot of uh, COVID brought out folks understanding what was happening at their schools. I ran a bill last year um, to just put up sex education. I'm not asking about changing the curriculum. All you have to do is post it because COVID parents weren't able to like go in and review what was going on in the classroom. I just asked them to put it online, and that bill died. Uh-huh. Because what they're teaching our children at a very young age is confusing them. And, and look, when you're 18 years old and you want to do whatever you want to do with your life, fine. But let's, let's, let, let's let parents be able to educate their children on those issues. And let's let the schools teach reading, writing, and arithmetic and things that they need in that area.
0: Would you take a, like a wrong DeSantis approach where he's just like banning everything? Like, hey, well, not necessarily banning stuff, but he. Is, he I, I feel like he's one of the governors that is really taking a lead on that in, in the education system. And I think that's why strategically they made the lieutenant governor uh, for Charlie Crist. Uh, she's a union teacher. A lot of people don't know this. Unions love Democrats. It might not be like the teamsters or the teachers. I talked to a lot of the educators and they're like, well I'm a secret conservative I just don't say anything and I'm like ugh, I wish you would speak up but a, a lot of the union leaders do support these Democrats and like you said what you know the CTA loves Gavin Newsom the, these unions out here love Gavin Newsom and I feel like it's always an uphill battle with Republicans because you start mentioning school choice the parents are gonna love you that soundbite's gonna do great for my audience they're like school choice amazing the, the, the money's finally gonna go to the family or the student whatever so they can have school choice etc the people that are not going to love you are like those educators or like those union leaders that are like oh no we we only want them in public education because they're trying to do away with school choice i mean it's scary what these union leaders are talking about and like parents don't know and they shouldn't know anything you have people like Scott Weiner who they, they want to give more power to minors and they want to give less power to 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 the parents. I mean, it's insane. But with, just going back to the question with, with Ron DeSantis, he has kind of taken a more aggressive, like, we're banning ZRT and then we're also going to ban any kind of... LGBT curriculum or gender theory curriculum up until like the fifth grade or for the fourth grade? Would you take a similar stance? Well, I've been
1: voting against all those pieces of legislation that have been coming through. Unfortunate, as we talked about the first of this interview was, um, this podcast is that, you know, people don't know what's happening in Sacramento. The great thing about being the governor of the state of California, the fifth largest crime in the world is I'll have the ability to be able to talk about these issues. And I, I know that parents will always make the right decision for their children if they're, if they're armed with information. So my goal as governor, when I have a legislature that may not agree with the, the, where I agree, I can then start, we can start having that conversation, right, out in the public, because most of these people don't understand what's really happening. And once they find, I mean, most people don't know that raping up an unconscious woman in California is not a violent crime mm-hmm. because it was the Safe Neighborhood and Schools Act was the what the title was of that of course proposition so as the governor i can start talking about all these things and then we can have a debate and then we can get into the hey what does california look like and i and i am so excited about this election because just as you said people are waking up and they're going what's going on in california why is my child not having a great education why can not i walk down the streets and feel safe why is our forest burning down why am i out of power why does a dozen eggs cost 33% more in one year? Okay. Those those people when they when they when it when it comes alive now it's going to come alive and it's I believe it's happening right now as we speak. You know, I don't have the money that Gavin Newsom has. Not even close. Right. And not the pulpit that he has. But I believe that Californians there's there's Brian Daly and there's Gavin Newsom on the spout. This is not like the recall this is where there's two individuals. Right. And if we can just get people out to vote, if you're a, I mean, Gavin Newsom's out of touch with his own party. He's an elitist Democrat. Many Democrats don't think like he, do, like right. he does. They want a better future. They're, they're suffering. I think they're going to go to the ballot box and they're going to say, you know, who I, maybe they don't even know who I am, but hey, it's got to be better than Gavin Newsom because I don't have the resources to get my message out. Yeah, I represent a million people, but California has 40 million people. But 22 million of them are registered to vote. I need to make sure that the people that I do connect with actually vote and go out and make sure that on October 7th, when you get your ballot, that you and your neighbors go make sure they vote and turn your ballot in. Two and a half million Republicans didn't vote in the in the recall. Would have drastically changed the recall if they would have just voted. Yeah. So we need people to get out to vote. That's our biggest challenge uh, here in California: is get out to vote, and then. You know, if you like what you're getting, stick with Gavin Newsom. If you don't, hey, give me a try. And I, I will guarantee you that my family's been here for 92 years. I'm not leaving. I'm like you. I'm fighting for California because as California goes, the nation goes. Yeah. And wherever you're running to, it's coming there next if we don't stop it right here. And I, and I think that California is always a world stage. We're the fifth largest economy, and we've had our ups and downs. We will have a Republican governor at some point, hopefully November 8th, well, that will be the day, because you can't continue down this path of people being so unhappy, spending the most of their money, and not getting any results.
0: That's the last little section I have for you here is um, some of the more Hispanic-focused questions. Obviously, California has upwards of 40% Hispanic-Latino population. Immigration is, is definitely you know important one, and, uh, you know the dreamers the border crisis what's going on there you kind of talked about the border crisis already stopping the flow of fentanyl coming into the u.s um and i feel like our border is pretty secure believe it or not uh compared to texas and arizona <laughs> which is surprising to me I, I i don't really see california border having like a problem with uh that large influx of illegal immigration the way texas and arizona do but with with immigration what what is you see what's happening at the border, you see people are fleeing, you know, I'm sure some of them have valid cases, a lot of them probably don't. Uh, I've talked to them myself, I've covered at the border, I've talked to some people, I mean, I've, I've asked some people, why, 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 what made you come? And they're like, well, we don't really like our local politicians. And I'm like, oh man, from the fire, like out of the fire and into the pan or out of the pan and into the fire. I'm like, I don't like my local politicians either, buddy. <laughs> you know, uh, So I, I know that a lot of them, you know, Probably good-intended, probably well-working people. What are your views on immigration? Do we need? How do how do we fix that influx? How do we? I don't know. To any immigrant listening right now that's in California, that's that's looking for hope, you know, what do you say to them?
1: Well, I think we need a, a lot better process of of get, actually getting you citizenship. Mm-hmm. We need to fast track it. There are so many awesome people that are in California that need the ability to be able to um, become citizens. They, they, wanna, they want the dream of, of America and, and California, what it is. So I think we need to focus on that. I obviously want to make sure that we keep people who are bringing fentanyl and, and sex trafficking and uh, enslaving people is wrong. And so I want to make sure we, we do everything we can to stop those things uh, from, from the abuse that we see there and the sex trade. And also uh, with drugs, so I, w- I want to secure, make sure we can secure. But I want a pathway to citizenship for
0: dreamers. I, you would. I, you would with,
1: that's already there. I mean, we've right. already passed that in California. There's no changing that. I don't think it's an issue. So, um, I mean, but I, but they're still not citizens. I mean, we need to figure out a way to get these folks uh, citizens. And, and if you're, you know, if you have haven't uh, broken our laws and you're you're just wanting to raise your family and We need to figure out a pathway there and 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 bring them in and put our arms around them just like uh and be part of our society because the the fastest growing group of of small business owners is latino Mm -hmm. and we're crushing i'm a small business owner i one to ten employees is what we call small a micro business in california believe it or not and the, the biggest group of those people are latinos that are trying to i mean and what i mean i was talking to the guys that, that maintenance our yard, right, and they're they're a Latino guy. They got a business, and they come around, right, and they got their weed blowers, and and I'm a legislator. We we just took away their gas powered. They're not by 2024. They're not going to be able to buy that gas powered weed blower, uh, weed eater, lawn mower, and they have to be electric. And they're like, how, well, how are we going to afford that? How are we going to charge them? And I'm like, this is the this is the now for me. I voted against that. I want them to be able to run their business. Yeah. And live and and it's. So for me, I think there's an opportunity here. I really think there's an opportunity that Republicans have an opportunity. And, and I will tell you that I will do everything in my power to make to uh, help you keep your business so that you can live the Calvary dream. I know that our, our family values are the same, right? They don't, I'm, I know that the ones that the, the Latinos I talk to, they're like, hey, most of them are Catholic, mm-hmm. right? And they're yeah. like, hey, uh, this isn 't what we this isn 't what we signed up for this isn 't what we believe yeah right and we 're and we 're opposed to that, and so their family they're they 're just like me they're they 're the same as me they want to they want to they want a future in california yeah and i I want to give them that future I want them to be part of our community but I also want people who not just latino but people who are coming to California who are are taking advantage of californians as far as like drugs and crime no yeah. we need to stop that
0: you're absolutely right a lot of the hispanics and latinos i actually looked up a map that california is the most heavily dense catholic base out there i just wish these people voted because i can't tell you how many times i cover a lot of protests and especially after roe v wade decision by the supreme court i went to a lot of pro-abortion uh, rallies and I would always see Hispanics selling something there like they were you so hot dogs or whatever <laughs> it might be right and I would always ask them in every single case they, they I would tell them what are your views on abortion They're like oh absolutely not like at, in no case no and I'm like are you faith-based They're like yeah we're Catholic and then I remember there was one in Santa Monica where they had a, a pro-abortion t- pro- protest outside of a where like the Metro drops you off in Santa Monica So as people were coming up, a lot of them were Hispanic that took, like, the metro, and then they would get on the bus across the station, uh, across the street, but they had to work their way through the rally. And I remember a lot of them were Hispanic that were coming up, and they asked me, they saw me, they're like, oh, this guy looks Latino, you know, look at his mustache. And they're like, hey, what's going on here? And they would ask me in Spanish, like, what's going on here? What are they protesting? And I would say, oh, they want abortion rights. They think that, um," you know, they would say... uh, uh, hell no, we won't go abortion rights on demand or something like that. We're basically they want abortion on demand, and and I think that that's where the Democrats have gone wrong. Is it's no longer safe, legal, rare. Now it's just abortion on demand. Whenever we say, however we say, at any moment in time, we want abortion. That is our fundamental right, and this is driving Hispanics to the Republican Party because like this is absolutely asinine. Like we went from safe, legal, rare to now abortion on demand all the way up to nine months. And a lot of Hispanics were like, I'm not okay with this. And then I'll ask them like, are you a citizen? Are you a resident? Like, yeah, I've been here since the the eighties. I'm like, by chance, are you registered to vote? And they're like, no, I've never voted. And I'm like, this is why we lose on these issues because people aren't voting. But with that, my last question to you, and I'll let you do your own little outro, is a lot of people are feeling very hopeless. I think a lot of people, We're putting a lot of hope in the recall. I don't think they understand how a recall works. Um, And like you said, this time around, it's not 30-plus candidates against Newsom. It's just you and him. The average Californian is asking, you know, they're probably getting ready to go. And they're asking, is there hope in California? What do you say to people that don't believe in voting? They don't believe voting changes anything. They don't, they just... They just ask, Is it even worth fighting for? Is it worth going out there and knocking on doors? What do you say to those? Well, I want
1: to just say that I love California. It's the greatest state in the nation. We have all the resources. We have we have everything here. And for me, it was basically it's worth fighting for. And this is the thing, you know, when you leave. Where are you going to go, and what, what what's coming there next? Mm-hmm. As California goes, the nation goes. Most of our problems that we have in California, whether it's crime, energy, water, education, have all been are all fixable. Or all, all these things are things that if either they've been created and have come to a crisis, but they're all they all can be changed. But there's one factor that makes that change. It's it's the everyday individual Californian that has to go out and make a choice to vote. If you want something different than what you're seeing and you don't want to leave, then go vote. Go pick something different than what you've been getting because I can guarantee you it will change at some point because we cannot continue along this path. This this state will collapse. We can't continue to spend money and not have a, a, a downturn. We've been on a an upturn and what goes up will come down we, we, we know that happens but they can change it they can stay in California and they can have the hope for California and I believe it can I, that's why I'm here I'm not leaving I love the state it's worth fighting for
0: yeah
1: it's worth fighting for then the world looks at California so we must do it right we must take it back and it's worth doing so I ask them to go out get your ballot if you're not registered go register you can register up to the day of election, but get started early, get your ballot. I would love to have your vote, Brian Daly. You can go to briandaly.com, and Daly is, it's B-R-I-A-N-D-A-H-L-E.com. You can, you can learn all about me. We have videos. We have me speaking on the Senate floor. I, I there's hope for California. This, this, we should be energy independent. We have all the resources right here available. We have all the water here. We have the education, we have everything. We just need to do a little, we just need a few tweaks to it and we need to take back our state. It's been 25 years of one party control with now an elitist Democrat running it who is out of touch even with Democrats. Independents and Democrats need to look at this and say, wait a minute, Gavin Newsom's not like me. I wore my mask, I didn't go someplace. I want my kids in school. You have an opportunity for change in California and balance. This will bring back a balance in our government. We need that. One party control is not good.
0: Absolutely. So, if people wanted to sign up for your camp, what do you need the most? You need people knocking on doors. I mean, do you need like it all? Like, where can people so people can go to your website and uh, where can they follow you online? Yeah. You
1: know? So, I'm on all social media platforms: uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're just ramping up a TikTok um, that's okay, happening. Nice. There's other people actually doing TikToks on my behalf uh, that okay. are out there, uh, but yeah, we you know BrianDaly.com. We're on YouTube. You go on, you can see all, a lot of my speeches on the Senate floor on YouTube. Uh, but we're out there. I mean, if you want to find me, you just Google my name, and I, it should come right up.
0: All right, sounds good. Thank you so much for coming in today. I enjoyed the conversation. I think a lot of people are going to get to know you a lot more. Um, so after today, there should be no more, who is this senator? You know, <laughs> I think everyone should already be uh, researching you up. But uh, again, want to thank you for your time. Thank you for being here and talking about the issues. And uh, for everyone listening at home, make sure you share, you like, subscribe, you share this with all your family. Especially if you're in California, there should not be a single Californian you don't send this to. So thanks again, Senator, for being here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.